We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Our God is good. Amen. I want to talk to you just for a few moments as we uh, move forward into some thoughts that probably I'll be preaching at least one or two more sermons in this particular on this particular topic. But we're going to be talking about a servant's heart, what it means to have the heart of a servant, what it means to serve the Lord. Our anchor verse is found in John 13, verse 15, which says, I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done. Let's read that one more time. I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done. This is not in a suggestive form uh, in the grammatical text of the Greek. This is in a command. Okay, so this isn't a suggestion. I've given you an example, so do it if you want to do it. This is a command of the Lord. He says, do like I've done. Uh, what you've witnessed has been an example of what you should be doing in your life. And I don't know about you, but I want to do what I should do. I want to be doing what God wants me to do. I don't want to do what I think is right. Uh, I want to do what God thinks is right. And so I want to, to talk to you about what does it mean to have the heart of a servant. And uh, basically, uh, we're going to be looking into uh, John, and we're going to be looking into the book of Luke today, or uh, the gospel of Luke, to get our examples. Now, two of these, uh, there's only one particular place in the Bible that you will find where Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, and it's not found in Matthew or Mark or Luke. It is only found in the gospel of John, the 15th chapter. It's, that's the only place. The rest of the four gospels, or the three gospels that it remain, only speak or reference of the Lord's Supper taking place. It is John that includes the addition that Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Now, number one, you need to understand that out of the four gospels, only uh, two of those would have been eyewitnesses to what's going on, and that would be Matthew, and that would be John, because Luke was a convert that came on later after uh, the 12, original 12, so he was not a disciple, even though a lot of people, if you ask them to name the 12 disciples, they, they think, well, I got four of those already. Actually, if you name Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you only got two of the original disciples, because uh, it would have been Matthew and John. So Mark and Luke both joined the journey later on uh, and were one to the Lord later on. So that's important to understand. Luke is doing a account of the eyewitnesses or a second-hand account. They're telling him what they saw, and he's writing it down, and so is Mark. But John and Matthew were eyewitnesses. In other words, they were there, and so they saw this firsthand. And so we're going to be looking into these accounts today because uh, to really understand what happened in the upper room uh, when the Lord was doing the Lord's Supper and then he washed the feet, you've got to understand the full context of that story, and that is found by reading all four accounts. 
And when you read all four accounts, you get a very strange picture of what actually took place in that upper room. Uh, we look at it as the holiest of all moments, but actually this holy moment may not have been as holy as you think at times because you're dealing with human beings, and human beings can be difficult. Uh, first of all, before I jump into this too much, I want to thank Jim for covering last week and, and uh, filling in for me. Um, some of you probably noticed I wasn't here, uh, but I was preaching at another church for their pastor's appreciation service. Um, I, had, uh, I have mentored uh, their pastor throughout the years as he was a, a uh, evangelist on through as uh, his ministry, and uh, he pastors this church, and he, they asked him to get somebody that had poured into his life to come and talk with them and, and uh, share. I spent some time with Bill Jones and their local congregation, but I'll just tell you, I missed you guys tremendously. There's nothing like being in another place to make you appreciate home. Uh, I really, uh, I really appreciate Harvest and our Forever family. Uh, they, they've got a great church there, but it wasn't home. And I have to be honest with you, and I actually shared this with them last week when I was first asked to do it. Um, I, I, I told Adam, I, I gave him the Christian answer. Anybody know what the Christian answer is? I'll pray about it, which actually what we're saying is give me a few days and I'll tell you no. Um, you know, and so I, I gave him the Christian answer. I said, I'll pray about it, and this was on a Wednesday, and so some of you caught it, but I was standing up in the middle of the service preaching a few weeks ago about uh, how we needed to have the heart of a servant. We needed to follow God wherever he told us to do. I said, now what? I've, I've always seized every opportunity and open door. I've never told God no, and right in the middle of my message, the Lord said, but you're about to. You're about to. And so I looked over at Tina and said, I've got myself in a mess. Some of you uh, misinterpreted that. And I want to thank Brad Gross for helping misinterpret that to some of you last week. He was telling everybody I was interviewing. Um, and so, but Tina was going to stay, but I was going to go. So anyhow, I was not interviewing, but I was uh, uh, trying to be obedient, uh, obedient to the Holy Spirit because I want to tell you something. I want to be obedient to God. I want to stand before God and say, God, I did everything you asked me to do when you told me to do it, and I did it with 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 no hesitation. And I, and, and so uh, you say, boy, that's something I don't think I would have told. I actually told that church this same story that I had told him no, and or told him I was going to pray about it, and the answer was going to be no. But very seldom am I away from the pulpit uh, here at our, our 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 church. But you know, for vacation or or things are out of my control. But last week, I, the Lord told me to go do it, and I did. So again, let's jump into this today. What does it mean to be a servant? Or more important question I want to ask you this morning is, what does it mean to have a heart of a servant? What does it mean to have that heart that wants to serve? John 13, verses 1 through 17, I want to read that to you real quickly. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, 
uh, and that he had come uh, from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper table, or rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet, uh, a disciple's feet, and to wipe them with a towel that was supposed uh, that, that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do not do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand, but afterwards you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have uh, you have no share with me. Or one translation says, You'll have no part of me. Uh, and, and so when he heard this, Simon Peter said in verse 9, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to be washed except uh, for his feet, but it is, it is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew that he was, he was to be, uh, was to be to, uh, betrayed, uh, who was to betray him. That, was, that is why he said, not all of you are clean. Then, when he had washed the feet, their feet and put, uh, out, put on his outer garment, he resumed his place and he said to them, Do you understand what I have done? And uh, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, uh, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you in, if you do them. And this, to me, is just an uh, uh, amazing account of this story because I guarantee you their jaws were, were, were dropping when Jesus gets up and starts washing their feet. And I began to think about how this is the one who scooped out the oceans with his hands. This is the one who formed man of the dust of the ground, and now he is washing the dust from their feet. He, and I just, I, I, I was overwhelmed by that story. But then I began to think, you know what, to really know the story, I want to read uh, through every account of this. And when I got to Luke's account, something red flagged in me that I just didn't make the connection till I was reading through Luke. And so I want to share with you Luke 22, verses 19 through 27. This is the same story, but Luke adds something to this story that was left out by John and left out by the other apostles. Again, each of them would add different elements to the story and you would get the whole picture. Now, I want to real quickly say, if, if you and I were to witness an event of some kind, uh, if we were to watch a a meteor streak through the sky, and we were all seeing it, all of us might have a the same story, but a different angle of how to tell it. And so there would be truth in all of it, but we would all have a different account of that truth. It would come to the same conclusion, a meteor went through the sky, but each of those stories would add a little bit different uh, angle to that, and you would get a complete story. That's why uh, cops don't interview just one witness. If they have more than one, they, they, they talk to all the witnesses. So let's look at witness number two, number old Luke uh, chapter 22 verses 19 through 27. Uh, a dispute arose. Oh my goodness, hold on, wait. Very first thing red flagged me right there. A dispute. An argument arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Same setting, same upper room, same table, same Passover, same event. 
How many of you have this event all holy? And all of a sudden, the disciples are arguing who's the greatest. I don't know. You know, they're arguing who he likes the most, who he favors the most, who is the you know who who is the best disciple. That's what they're arguing about. And, and verse twenty five says, and he said to them, the kings of the Gentile exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become the uh, as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves. It is not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as one who serves. So with that in mind, we're getting a better picture of what happened at this event, what took place as Jesus rose from the table. Jesus came to serve and to prepare his servants to carry out an incredible task of reaching this world with the good news. Guess what? That task has been passed to them and now it has been passed to you and that we carry the good news or the gospel to a lost and dying world. And if we've ever lived in a world and in a society that needs to hear good news, it is today. And I'm here to tell you, if a church is not spreading the good news, if they don't have anything but negativity to share, and who is the church? The church is people. told Brady this morning, that his ears may have been burning a little bit last week because I was talking about what a fine young man he is. And I was thinking about the friends that he brought to church. And more importantly, the Lord reminded me he didn't bring them to church. He took church to them. Because he is the church. I want you to understand this morning that we have a message. And what message are we sharing about Jesus? If all we have is negative views of everything, if all we have is nothing good to say about God's work, why would people want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus? I want you to understand something. Jesus, the king of all kings, is sitting at the table. He has just had Passover with these guys. And now all of a sudden, they break out in an argument among themselves who is the greatest among them. And they weren't talking about Jesus. They're saying, we know he's the greatest, but, if, but after him, who's the greatest? And they begin to bicker and argue with one another. And in the middle of that, Jesus begins to share with them, the one who is the greatest needs to become as the youngest, and the one who is the master needs to serve. Who is the greatest? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves. And I don't think they were getting it. So Tina, he gets up and he takes a towel and he wraps it around himself. And all of a the sudden, they hear this sound. I believe there was silence in the room. As Jesus kneels down and begins to wash feet. The lowliest, lowest job on the totem pole. Now I'm going to tell you, I don't like feet. Anybody, if you love feet, good for you. I'm glad I got feet, but I don't get up in the morning usually praising God for my feet. Amen? Feet can be nasty. 
Now I want you to think about Middle Eastern feet. <laughs> he's not here. I can't share this in the second service. But Peyton got a little bit of athlete's foot because he's fell in love with work boots and he wears them all the time. He wanted to show it to me the other day, and I said, no, thank you. I trust you. His mom gave him some tenactin, and I said, go fast acting, you know, however. I want to see your feet. Feet. But Middle Eastern feet in that culture, they wore sandals. And the grime and the dirt of the roads would collect on their feet, and it was a courtesy to wash the feet at the door. It was something a, the lowest servant in the house did. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Jesus is saying to them, I am about to pass the torch to you guys. I'm about to pass to you the torch to carry on this message that I'm about to die for, and all you can do is argue who's the greatest. So let the one who is the greatest become the least. So the one who is the greatest, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, gets on his knees and washes the feet of the disciple and I, disciples. And I believe you could have heard a pin drop. And already Peter is calculating what he's going to say. Because the Bible says he wasn't the first to get his feet washed because when he got to Simon Peter, he says, will you wash my feet? I don't think so is what he was saying. I don't think you're going to do that because I know who you are. You see, it was to Peter that, ha that, that God revealed and he said, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You know who I am. Peter knew that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He knew that he was divine and he was deity. And he's saying, there's no way you're going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I do not serve you, then you'll have no part. And Jesus, that's Jesus. As, as he looks at Jesus, he says, if that's the case, not just my feet, but, Lord, my head and my hands, if that's what it takes, I want to be with you. What it takes to be with Jesus is one who will put a towel around themselves and wash the feet of people. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The church has got a lot of things in it, but there's got to be a servant's heart. If we want to reach this world with the message of Jesus, we got to be like Jesus. And Jesus had the heart of a servant. There was nothing too low for him. But yet people act like sometimes that job's beneath them. I've got news for you. If Jesus washed the dirt and the grime off of their feet, who am I to think that I have arrived? Oh, God, give me the heart of a servant. Are you carrying a towel in your, in your spiritual repertoire? Are you, you know, we got all these weapons. I know the word and I know how to pray, but do I know how to serve? Do I know how to lower myself if necessary and get down there and do the stuff that, that only a servant would do? I want you to understand God is searching for people who will have a heart to serve this world. Why? Because he said it's on that type of person that I can pass the torch to, that I can send and I can trust that this gospel will be carried to the world. He says, you don't understand what I'm doing, but one day you will. You don't understand right now, but someday you will. Right now you don't get it, 
but I have given you an example that you ought to do as I have done. What is he saying? Not that you carry around a bottle of water just for feet washing and an extra towel in your car. That you serve. That we know how to be submissive to authority. That's what he was saying. What are you saying? Jesus wasn't submissive. He was the authority. Yes, he was. The Bible says he was submissive and took on the heart of a servant even into the cross. Who was he submitting to? He was submitting to the will of the Father. In other words, he's saying what I'm about to do is something that none of you are able to do because even if you were crucified, you could not purge the world of the sin that it has. Only the only spotless lamb, the only begotten of the Father can do that. So I'm going to be submissive to him. How do I know that? Because later on, the very message Jesus taught in the upper room, he would have to prove in the garden as he knelt three times and he prayed, what prayer? Father, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to die, but nevertheless, here it is. Not my will, but thy will be done. I will serve, even if it costs me. This morning, my challenge to you is, are you willing to take up the towel? And are you preparing someone to step up into your place? As I was preparing the message for last week, I was, pre- I, I was thinking about what Adam and Jill had, had meant to me and Tina, and we directed a youth camp for 12 years, actually brought us back to direct an extra year after they moved them to another camp. But when we, Dr. Carden became our area bishop, he called us all in, those that were directing camp, and he looked at us and he said, you ought to be working yourself out of a job. You ought to be raising up somebody that can step in because if there ever comes a time when you're not able to fulfill your call in this area or if you're not able to, to, to do it anymore, who, the ministry will suffer if you haven't raised somebody up. You see, the problem with that is it doesn't settle well in leadership's ears because we get territorial. Come on. We, we, we want to take ownership over a certain thing, and so it's like stepping aside. We don't want to step aside because, hey, it's, hot, it's rocking and it's rolling, and, and, and God is blessing it. Why would I want to think about that? And God is saying, are you raising up somebody because someday I may call you out of the picture? And if I call you out of the picture, what's going to happen to that ministry? Listen to me. So all of a sudden, God began to deal with our hearts and said, you need to be raising up somebody to take, to take your place. And you need to be pouring the knowledge that you have into them so that when they step in, the ministry doesn't hurt. That they don't have that learning curve. They're able to step in and begin to fulfill their call and do what they need to do to see the ministry go forward because you've got to be ready to pass on. So our, whose feet are you washing? Me and Tina talked about it all the way home and we began to think, who can we bring in to raise up? And Adam and Jill's names came immediately to our minds. So we we had a plan. We'll bring them in. We'll see how they do as our deans. And we'll do two years with them. And then if, the, if it looks like that's it, we'll pass it off to them. Because it, it, we knew that our time was wrapping up. It needed fresh blood. It needed fresh influence. And so we got them in. And God was so overpoweringly uh, uh, on us that first year. We ended up stepping aside after that first year. 
And I remember that conversation with, with both of them. We sat down and we said, look, and we feel like you're ready. And they said, what do you mean you feel like we're ready? We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're stepping aside. It's time for you guys to, to take this and put your spin on it and put fresh blood, fresh anointing in it. We, we, we think you got it. Now, you got to understand, they had worked camps for us for years, so they understood kind of how things functioned. But now we knew they were ready to step into an entirely different role. And I began to think about that. And, and, and how many times do we take ownership over something to the point that if we ever step away, all of a sudden it falls apart? And it's an evil person that takes joy in that. It's an evil person that says, hmm, see, they couldn't do it without me. I've got news for you. There is nobody that's irreplaceable in the kingdom of God. Why? Because God's work's more important than me. It's more important than you. It is a world that is dying and going to hell, and he is going to use those who are willing to serve. I'm going to ask you today, do you have the heart of a servant? Would you wash feet? Would I wash feet? God has called us to make disciples. In the church, in, 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 in other words, someone, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, being changed by Jesus and committed to the mission of Jesus, according to Matthew 4:19. Disciple making means that I'm entering into a relationship to help people trust and follow Jesus, according to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which is the Great Commission, which includes the whole process from conversion to maturity to multiplication. In other words, God's not expecting me just to get people saved. God is expecting me to help raise them into maturity, It'd be like Rachel having her baby and saying, okay, you're on your own. You should be able to have to feed yourself, clothe yourself, take care of yourself, get a job. No, she is going to raise and nurture that baby till that baby grows into what? Maturity. And eventually, as a young woman someday, have her own family and pour those motherly traits into the next generation and into the next generation and into the next generation. In other words, let me share it like this. How many of you growing up said to yourself, I'll never be like my parents were. I'll be a little bit different. And then when you become a parent, something happens and you say something or do something and you're like, oh my God, I'm my dad. Oh my God, I'm my mom. I sound just like them. In other words, what we pour into the next generation not just carries over, it carries over to build the kingdom of God. In other words, I don't know, the Lord may come back tomorrow, but what if he waits another hundred years? Is the church ready to raise up the next generation to do what it's supposed to do? I'm here to tell you, if all I want to do is sit back and enjoy church, shame on me. I need the heart of a servant. That's good preaching whether you like it or not. It's more than just sitting back and enjoying it. It's being a part of things and raising up a generation that will make a difference in a hurting world. Make a difference in a hurting and dying world. Come on, folks. This cause was great on the heart of Jesus. And I can imagine how heartbroken he was as he's sitting there thinking, in just a little bit, it's going to be on these guys' shoulders, and one of them has already betrayed him. And now he looks out and all he can see is a bunch of guys arguing over who's the greatest. How heartbreaking for a leader. Three and a half years he had poured into these guys. Three and a half years, everything. They learned stuff that's not even written in the Bible. How do we know? Because John said what? The, the volumes of books that could be written of the things that he did and said the world could not contain. 
So they received lessons you and I didn't receive. There was things poured into them that, 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 that only they received. And he's saying, I'm pouring into these guys because it's going to be on them. And he's looking and all they can do is fight. All they can do is argue. All they can do is boast of who's the best. And all of a sudden, to silence them, he gets up from the table and he stoops down and says, let me show you who's the best. The one who has got the heart of a servant. The one who is willing to do what Whatever is asked of them. That's what God is looking for. Being a disciple maker, a disciple of Jesus who enters into a relationship with people to help them. I wonder, are you a disciple maker this morning? Discipleship is the state of being a disciple, but a disciple maker is causing somebody to rise up and become a disciple, but not only become a disciple, but help them see maturity in Christ so that they can make more disciples. How does this plan work? It is not about addition. It is about multiplication. As I raise up one, that one raises up another and another and another and another, and before long, the kingdom of God and the work of God is flourishing and thriving throughout this world. What the world needs today is not a new church on a street corner. It needs the church that it has, the church that exists to repent before God, to ask God for the heart of Jesus. What is the heart of Jesus? The one who serves. So we are able to raise up people that could invest with the God, be entrusted with the gospel to carry it long after we're gone. I don't know how long I'll live, but if I'm not raising up leaders, I am failing. If you're not raising up leaders, you're failing. In other words, the Lord's Supper is a great event and we celebrate it, but are we celebrating the heart of a servant? Are we celebrating what really took place in that upper room? And are we seeking to find opportunities to be a part of service? Am I seeking out the opportunity to, to, to lead as, a, as, as an example? As Jesus said, I've set you the example. Jesus' attitude towards servanthood was, to, to, was in direct contrast to the disciples' attitude of who's the greatest. Jesus' act of servanthood was in direct contrast to their theology of what a master was or what, 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 what the Messiah should be. In other words, they're arguing about who's the greatest, and Jesus says the one who's the least. Since there was no servant present to wash the feet, it would, it would never have occurred to them that they were to wash one another's feet. When the Lord himself stooped down to this lowly task, they were stunned into silence. To his credit, though, Peter was profoundly uncomfortable with the moment. <laughs> but in that moment, Jesus is not just saying to him, I need to wash your feet or you'll have no part with me. He's saying to him, you also need to get a hold of what I'm teaching and become a servant to those around you. In other words, Jesus washed feet. Whose feet are you washing? Who are you raising up? Who are you pouring into? Am I just enjoying the ride or am I doing something to be a part of it? This gospel, mm, this gospel can only be this task of the gospel completed when the church takes on the heart of a servant. I need to be invested in the work of God, not just a fan of the work of God. Amen. 
I like uh, Kyle Eidelman's book, Not a Fan. If you've never read a book, you need to read that book. But he says there's a lot of people who are fans of Jesus. Amen? All right? And, and I, I have to say this. Now, for our Tennessee fans, I'll give you credit. You guys have been true orange and as much as I pray for you. But I'm going to say this. I am so tickled at all of a sudden Tennessee gears everywhere. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, it's like, you know, it, like one guy took his, he must have shot back the dust off his cap, and he's like, I can finally wear it. Well, be what you are. Right? Right? You guys noticing that too? All of a sudden, there's more sweatshirts and t shirts, and it's like, yeah, go big orange. Yeah. I believed in them. I've always believed in them. No, you didn't. <laughs> believe in nothing. A real fan, a real true believer, no matter what the score is, they stick with their team. I've got news for you. There's a lot of people that are fans of Jesus when it benefits them. But when he says, get a towel, when he says, take on the heart of a servant, they're done with it. When he asks them to do something beyond just occupy a seat, they're done with him. So I'm going to just say this as your pastor this morning. I'm going to throw down the towel. Who's going to pick it up? Will you stand? Every head bowed, every eye closed in this room. Just for a moment. I didn't come to preach warm fuzzies. I came to challenge you because there's a world dying and going to hell, people. There are people who need the hope of Jesus because life is short. And it's more than just saying, I'm a believer, I'm a fan of Jesus. It is, are you committed to the cause of Jesus even when he asks you to get the water and the towel out? Oh, that's somebody else's job. He could never, I, I know too much for that. Or I, 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 I'm, I got too many gifts. I've got news for you. Your gifts don't mean nothing if you don't have the heart of a servant. Your abilities mean nothing if you don't have the heart of a servant. If all you have is arrogance and pride of, and you feel like you... I, I'm God's gift to the church. Oh, my goodness. God's gift to the church was Jesus. Ain't nobody God's gift but Jesus. Jesus bought, purchased it with his own blood. So laying before us is a towel. Who's ready to pick it up and say, I want the heart of a servant, Pastor? Not for anybody else to see. This is between you and God. So if you're willing to say, God, I want a heart like your heart. Everybody says, I want to be like Jesus. Jesus washed feet. I want to be like Jesus. Jesus served. I want to be like Jesus. Jesus prayed. I want to be like Jesus. Jesus gave everything. Every bit of him. You want to be like Jesus? Being like Jesus means the not so pretty parts.
We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you'd like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.